This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick League Podcast, episode 312, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. And outside the snow is falling, friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. 
Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 312. My name is Ron Richards, and as always, I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello, everyone. And in lieu of Connor's food coma, uh, he had to step out, and we're here. We're welcomed by Jim Ski. How you doing, Jim? Hi, doing well. Thank you for having me back. Welcome back. So I didn't even bother to try to pronounce your last name. I'm sorry. I, that <laughs> that might be disrespectful. Murakowski? Murakowski. That'll do. It's even, one of the great accomplishments in my life that I know how to spell that now without <laughs> exactly. looking at anything. It's one of the most effective nicknames ever. Yeah. Even the, right. Yeah. Even the people who do uh, go to the site don't know who I am, so don't worry about it. It's all good. It'll be fun. Oh, don't worry. Oh, now, who's fishing for compliments yeah. now? Come on. You're better than that, Chimsky. We are Tell the- me I'm a pretty flower. We are from the website ifanboy.com where it's all about comic books and comic book culture and the enjoyment of that and every week, uh, every Wednesday a bunch of comics come out and we read them and then one of us has the responsibility of deeming the book that he thought was the pick of the week the one that he enjoyed the most that week and goes to the website to write a review about it. Then we come back here to talk about it and other esoterica. Uh, This week Josh had the pick Uh, so Josh take it away. I went with comic book comics an aptly titled issue, uh, number six, uh, the last of a, a miniseries by uh, Fred Van Lenty, who, who many of you know as a Marvel writer, and Ryan Dunleavy, um, a cartoonist that they've, they've worked together for a long time. They, they used to do a book very similar to this called Action Philosophers, uh, which took the, the major themes and, and personages in the art of philosophy and, and explained a lot of them, which I really liked the concept of, I really liked the look of, but it could be a little... It was Penny. a lot to get through. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, gotta, you have to actually be interested in philosophy. Which totally. As, some, as someone, I mean, I, I'm very interested in philosophy. I took philosophy in college. I get a D plus. And then I read, <laughs> I read Action Philosophers. I'm like, oh. Exactly. <laughs> I, I remember buying issues of that and, ha- and like you have to take them a little bit at a time. You could just sit there and read 40 pages of that. It was, it was too much. Um, but then they, they followed that up with this, this indie series um, – uh, comic book comics, which is basically a retelling of major events and people and 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 things in the in the history of the comic book industry. Uh, very instructive, but very entertaining at the at the same time. And uh, I've liked this. I've liked this uh, every every bit I've seen of it. I like more than the bit I, I've seen prior to that. I'm kind of upset that this is all only six issues because the the, the comic book industry is. For some reason, it is more fascinating to me than any. It's more fascinating to me than in the entertainment industry, you know, like movies and TV, because it's just so strange and yep. it's it's kind of short and it's concentrated and and a lot of these people, you know, if they're not still around, they're only recently dead. So every you know everybody who is still around and you know people knew all these guys, um, and it just it's it's this really strange, wonderful little thing, and, and we've in such a small community. I, I find it fascinating, and what they've done is is basically the way that it works is if uh, in this are I think three, four stories um, of little bits about the comic industry, uh, and and uh, Fred writes out sort of what happens. He uses primary quotes. He explains what happened. He gives you historical context. He researches uh, the shit out of this book. Exactly. The yeah. first the first page is an exhaustive bibliography. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in case you want to track down where people said what they said. Yeah, um, and but it's done in the style of the Back to the Future poster, uh, which is the other half of it. <laughs> right. uh, where yeah. Ryan Dunleavy will will illustrate uh, that that basically that prose with you know with cartoons, which is appropriate since we're talking about cartooning. Um, and there will be jokes and stuff hidden in there, but it also does the job of sort of getting you introduced to a cartoon version of these people. And 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 
I found myself as I kept going through this issue, I kept enjoying it more. I was laughing with more of the jokes. I had a lot of fun at the end of it. A three ninety nine for forty pages of, of story, quote unquote story um, content, and and uh, you know I had a great time. I learned a lot. I learned about manga. I didn't know anything, you know, about. Uh, Os- yeah. I've heard the name Osama Tezuka, but uh, I didn't know the whole history and and how utterly fascinating that is. Yep. Um, they explain just the stories in this are the the history of the graphic novel and how uh, Will Eisner gets credit for it a lot, but sort of the, some of the earliest forms of comics that are out there and, and who takes credit for them and, and so on. And then, uh, like I said, the history of Osama Tezuka, the Osamu. <laughs> I want to say Osama. That's not exactly the same. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah. And manga, but just the context of what his life meant to manga and what that means to comics today and pop culture in the U.S. Uh, and then uh, from there, they move on to the history of the direct market, which, boy, if you've never read that, if you think you understand the direct market, I definitely learned from this. And I've read a lot of books. Like, I, I know mm-hmm. this stuff. But uh, even they, you know, managed to teach me stuff during this. And then finally, uh, a really reasoned and uh, an interesting take on uh, digital piracy, um, which I remember him researching on the Internet. Uh, you know, months ago, and then, I remember him asking questions about it. And that's a topic that our own Jimsky here is a bit of an. Yes, I was going to say that's yeah. near and dear to my heart. But yeah. uh, I, I, I recently did a, a series on iFanboy.com where I interviewed pirates or scanners or whatever they want to call themselves, right. and, and, and got and, their take on things. And that's why it's near and dear to your heart, not because you're a pirate, <laughs> right? Oh, I just love to steal stuff so much, you guys. All I, you know, you're, uh, you're, a, I, you're a scanner, right? I mean, that's what you do yes. Thursday through Friday. Okay. All, all I do is sit at my desk and take old defenders out and scan. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it in years until until I saw. It. First of all, Comic Book Comics number four uh, was the lawsuit issue. It was uh, the find of C two E two for me. I got it's one of the only two things I've ever had autographed in my life. Fred Van Lente put it in my hand himself, nice. and uh, so I really enjoyed that. I uh, it talks a little. Uh, no matter what you're interested in. And it's a good thing, Josh, that you are as interested in the comic book industry as you are. Otherwise, you'd probably be on Suicide Watcher in some kind of 12-step program by now, Certainly. given your career path. But uh, <laughs> I learned so much about the creators' rights movement, even as somebody who I've, – I've always been a big fan of Steve Gerber and Howard the Duck is kind of my pet book. But I still – that issue taught me things that I hadn't known about before, and this is the exact same way. Like there's a book – called Comic Wars, I think it was, about mm-hmm. Marvel uh, going bankrupt in the battle between Carl Icahn and Ike Perlmutter and all that stuff. I've read that book. I, I probably had to, I had to read probably every page of it four times each, and it was just the driest white toast I've ever touched in my life. And like three pages of this comic completely explained that to me better than that entire book did. Exactly. You know, yep. 10 years ago or whatever it was. And I realized after having looked at it that I, when I was in college, I used to cartoon my history notes a lot because I found that it was an easier way for me to synthesize the information and to retain the, the, the data, you know, that, that visual element and maybe a little bit of jokiness. Uh, you know, it's like the schoolhouse rock method. It drives everything home a little bit better. And, and this, if you, no matter what you think you know about comics, if you care about this business at all, if you've ever commented on the iFanboy comment threads, you should read these before you comment again. Yeah, when this when this collection uh, when this collected edition comes out, and they're going to rename it for the collected edition because I don't think they the comic book, they recognize Compa Comics as a bit of an awkward name. But yeah. um, uh, when it comes out <laughs> as a collected edition, it's totally a must read because yeah, like you Absolutely. like you Jim at C two E two when uh, Fred and Ryan were there, I picked up. Um, I think I, I had gotten like when this first came out because they they released these very slowly over the past couple of years. It's and, a labor of love. Yeah, exactly. And it's and, a lot yeah, of labor. And I got the I remember I got the I got the first couple issues and then it kind of dropped 
dropped off. So I got all the back issues, got up to date, um, and then was an- anxiously awaiting this this thing. And and what's great about it is that you know F- Fred has got Fred is a good Fred is a good writer. Like he is a good like mm-hmm. you know like he knows how to put together the the, the stuff. But then. You know, uh, balancing it with Ryan's cartooning, mm-hmm. you know, like I like Angry Jack Kirby, like just like, you know, <laughs> right? like just the the way the way Ryan is able to present the information in a way that is fun and engaging. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. made Action Philosopher mm-hmm. so much fun for me, and that's what makes you know, kind of it makes learning fun. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, this is how I, I started my my review off with is that you know we are as comic book readers largely used to. A single genre, yeah. maybe some outshoots of that, but it's mostly if it's not superhero, then it's still action. It's still you know men shooting each other or you know fighting or something like that. That's what most mm-hmm. of comics is, and this here shows us that that man comics as an instructional tool, yep. are is so is so effective. And yeah. I mean, I I mean uh, in this one, I can finally example, I can finally answer the question why the Japanese have embraced comics and other countries mm-hmm. have not. Oh, the, like, their ability it's perfect, to dis- it's perfectly. Yeah, their ability to distill the information and put it together uh, in in a cogent way, in a pres- in a concise cogent way, uh, is is incredibly impressive. Uh, it, it, you know, it's related to Scott McCloud's understanding comics. It's not the same method exactly, but there's definitely uh, a shared background in, in this. Um, one of the things I really liked is that um, you know the guys are comic creators, obviously, so they have a a hand in in say that the issue of digital piracy they have a hand in talking yeah. about the direct market but i really liked how they talked about the direct market in terms of everybody talks about the great monopoly that is diamond now and the awful direct market i myself am guilty of that mm-hmm. but they they make the point to say that you know direct market saved comics if it wasn't for the yeah. direct market there's a very good chance that we wouldn't yeah. have comic books today so while on one hand you know it does make things sort of difficult and awful uh, you know at the same time this well, book you have to pre-order this book for the most part in most of the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, or get it digitally. Or yeah, I've never, I've yeah. never, I've never seen yeah, yeah. it in a store in my life. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, and I've been lucky enough yeah. to shop at stores that do stock it and that sort of thing. Right. So that's good. But yeah, but I mean, that's an interesting point. The direct market is that you know, like the 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 problem with the direct market isn't that it existed or that it, it or how whatever. It's that it didn't evolve, and I think mm-hmm. that that's the point. Yeah. You know, like that. So it's it's just fascinating. It's like the kind of things that we could talk about for hours about oh. you know intricacies of the comics uh, industry and all that sort of stuff so easy and yeah. they, and, and, they raise the issue yeah. about piracy of you know we talk about we talk about what do they call it the elusive untapped market yeah yeah uh, and how the this this myth that if that if marvel just put wolverine banners on the side of buses that uh, everybody would be buying wolverine you know but the movies was, don't bear that out and they, that was a and great they panel the, um, right, I have the sudden urge to buy Wolverine for some reason. <laughs> this little old lady on a bus bench, uh, and but they they make the, the the wonderful point about piracy that everybody always says. You know that uh, the pirates will tell you that it exposes people to comics that couldn't otherwise get them, and actually c- creates readers. And they ask the very simple question: Then where's the sales upswing? Right, because mm-hmm. people books are being pirated at a rate of estimated you know two to one. Where More than where's that, all the money? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bullshit justification. Although, the, although, yeah. although, then again, well, it's unique. But there was the whole, um, what was it? The the Steve Lieber, Jeff Parker. Yeah, uh, that seemed to be an outlier. Yeah, yeah, that was well. That, well, what happened was that that wasn't. It wasn't so much because the book was being pirated, as because Steve went to where it was being pirated and talked to the people, right? And then they bought it. Like so, but not every creator is going to yeah. go on the on four chan and talk to talk to the talk to the people there. But Steve um, special, yeah, exactly. But uh, right. but yeah, fascinating stuff. It's great. You know, it's great to see. Again. I also learned that Dazzler Dazzler number one sold four hundred thousand copies, which is something I'll carry around for the rest of my life now. Um, oh. Whatever that, else that stuff was I may learn. Yeah. Direct market mm. special. Oh, 
the, the first the indie the first indie boom the second boom like it just in a few pages i had i had heard about the black and white boom but i didn't know what it was i mean yeah. i sort of generally knew that people were trying to cash in on the ninja turtles because i remember hunting down those ninja turtles back issues myself but i didn't realize that it had created a kind of oh, yeah. pre-crash yeah oh well, uh, well ethan van skyver still thinks he can shop around his ninja turtles clone i can't remember what it was called cyber, but cyber frog or whatever but that, is not, that has nothing to do with the black and white boom i mean I that, that that's i mean the black and white boom was is totally a fascinating little mini chapter i mean it was a precursor to to the image boom really you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that was a it was independent comics doing something different it was like and that's that's what's really interesting is that in and i was listening to liefeld talk to suntress on word balloon and you know and and he made, liefeld made the uh, fascinating point and i and it's relevant because we're, we're experiencing it right now with, with DC and the New 52, is that the comic book industry has uh, trends and sales upswings and stuff like that have always been uh, balanced with a malaise. Like there's always been a yeah. malaise in the industry and then somebody does something different to shake that malaise and that gets everybody scrambling. And that's the same. And if you read comic book comics, you can see it's the same kind of cycle, but it, the details are always a little different. Like if you go back a couple issues and read about like the, the 60s, 70s underground comics, that was in a reaction to what was going on, both society, but also in comics. And that they mm-hmm. were like, yeah, you know, so it, it's, it's interesting to see how that, the black and white boom, the image boom, the, you know, like the, uh, Marvel's upswing in the early 2000s and now DC, it's just like, it's all, all, the details are different, but the concepts are the same. And history just the overall itself. numbers do keep going down. Though. Oh, of I mean, course. if you're looking yeah, at yeah, if you're looking yeah, at a yes. line, it's yeah. eventually it is going to ram into the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which uh, is sad. And the price and the price keeps going up to compensate. Right. Yes. Not that yeah. that matters yeah. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear lord! Uh, great, 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 great book. I, I pretty much anybody who who picked it up, you know, raves about it. They really enjoy it. If this sounds like stuff that you're interested in, I, I just I can't recommend it enough. Get it digitally. Get it in your pre-order it. Do whatever. The, the However you can get it. Order. Um, you know, there is a trade coming out, but you know, it doesn't sell that much. So if you want to support it and keep it around, they, they yeah, they, this has it. to be a labor of love because they can't be paying bills with it. Oh yeah, no, no, it's totally. Labor no, that's why. Did it was you know? Was this all? Now I didn't realize this was digitally available. Yeah. Uh, at least at first, and and that's great because I have two or three of them. But I now I can go back and get the whole yep. thing, yep. and not and not fill a box. Good stuff. So, cool. so moving on. So um, so yeah. So while I do enjoy a lot of the comic comics, but man, my pick of the week by a mile was Fantastic Four six hundred. That's, talk, that's talk, what a lot of people are saying. Talk yeah. about a labor of love. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, and I know, like on on paper, it's like oh. You know, a hundred pages, seven ninety nine, whatever. There's probably going to be some <laughs> reprint or whatever. There was not a single reprint. No, every, there were there weren't even that many ads. Every page of this was oozing Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four stories that just brought everything together amazingly. I sat I sat down on Thanksgiving night and had this in my lap, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm going to be reading this damn thing until the second we hit record." Yeah, <laughs> like. I, and then, but then, like twenty minutes later, I was zooming through. Like it was, it was a great. It was enthralling. I didn't realize how many uh, uh, balls Hickman had up in the air until yeah. he brought everything together in this issue. So, which was surprised. Like there were a lot of things that that at the time I didn't necessarily f- follow. I didn't know where it was going. And then I read this issue, and it brought everything together. And it, you know, 
set us up for the for the next phase and it was just, I, I can't yeah i too can't say enough nice things yeah about it. i mean it, you had you had uh how many like five stories you know mm-hmm. the, the main story um picking up from the last issue with steve epting um with the with the uh analysis for you know the with everything kind of everything happening like in, in, like a seinfeld episode all of a sudden everything happening at the same time um and then of course that ends with and here's the spoiler but that ends with the return of johnny storm which i you called. Called. Is that a? I know. Is no, that a spoiler you, though? No. You, yeah, but Ron called the moment that they spoiled that he was gonna die. Ron was like, "He'll be back in Fantastic Four six hundred. I will totally. No. Give you and for that. what did I? And what did I say? I said he'll be back in Fantastic Four six hundred, and he'll be the king of 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 the negative zone. And he he gets and the page he gets revealed and he's there he's flaming he's got a nihilist on a leash he's got a nihilist on a fucking <laughs> chain and a collar and he's got the cosmic rod in his arm he owns the negative zone I t- I called it like like to the detail I love it yeah <laughs> but um, I forgot about that yeah that's yeah. pretty impressive um, but do you have any uh, race picks for uh, this <laughs> no, weekend unfortunately I don't any I don't ponies you like <laughs> but um, but what's great is that like everyone will always back or whatever but like you read the the extended part two story which tells the tale of Johnny Storm like he died he did die they happened to stitched him back up every time he died in the negative zone and, and went through that numerous times but like the story of what happened to Johnny Storm while all this was happening while he was in the negative zone was awesome was fantastic i thought i started mm-hmm. out not really liking the art but by the end of it i was like oh this is great um you know yeah i agree although the first picture of annihilist i thought he looked like brack from space ghost coast to coast which <laughs> sort of colored my my his voice in my head for the yeah. remainder of the issue but uh, <laughs> i will i will i'm on a leash <laughs> but um, i will say that uh, uh the, the that johnny storm death was a classic comic book death and yep. i hope if you are unhappy about Johnny Storm not really being dead or dying the way that he died and coming back the way he came back, I would encourage you. I've been reading uh, Marvel team-ups from the 70s right now, and every issue of, uh, of the first – at least the first couple of years of Marvel team-up have the same plot. Spider-Man and someone he randomly bumped into accidentally murder someone. <laughs> Uh, like they, they they meet a bad guy and like, oh, Stegron fell in the water. Oh, he's too too heavy to swim. Oh, shit. Could you give me a ride home? Like they don't care at all. They just like the, the bad guy dies at the end of every issue. And every bad guy is one that I have seen 47 times since then, because that's just what they always used to do. The base would explode. Nobody would see Dr. Octopus's body. And the next time he came back, you got a whole monologue about how he didn't really blow up. And right. there was a tunnel, comics, whatever the hell. Like, this is, yeah, this is what they've been doing since time immemorial. So but yay if, to them for if, doing Yeah, if there's, if there's going to be a death, if they're going to do it the, the way they the way handled, this is the way to go. It was great. So that we got that. Then we also got a great story with art by Ming Doyle about um, Black Bolt and, and Josh. You, uh, you did, did you not pick this up or no? Oh, okay, you, the Black Bolt story would probably be worth enough for you because you we get insight into Black Bolt and Medusa's relationship and how is Medusa being okay with him now having four other wives and <laughs> fish gra- wives at that. Great story. Great yeah. story. And then, he's got um, a dire wraith wife for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, and then there's a great little Galactus story that ties not only into Miller and Hitch's run, but also into what went on in Fraction's uh, Thor book. Um, and you get a little touch as to what's coming. And then my favorite moment of the whole book was the Franklin Richards uh, story uh, with art by Farrell Dalrymple, which I'm call me crazy, but I think it ties into Shield. Huh. That makes sense. The the dude I mean, the, the, the the white dude the dude in all white at the end, uh, Jim. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's the the forever whatever the, that's the glowy guy from Shield. And well, this is the guy. This is the writer to do it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, can, 
can you clarify something for me? Because I know that Fantastic Four split, and then it was FF, and then there was also Fantastic Four. Is this no, no. So well, that's, that's, that's still happened, about to happen. Yeah. So what's happened is oh. that they canceled FF, and then they canceled Fantastic Four. They launched FF, and then if you add up all those issues, that makes it to Fantastic Four six hundred. And now they're splitting, and FF is continuing, and we're gonna get Fantastic Four six hundred one. So we'll have two what's books. The difference between those two books. Uh, the the one of them will be drawn by Bobilo from the old She Hulk when it was Dan Slott and really great, and the other one will be like one of them will be the old team, and one of them will be about the kid. Yeah, one. Well, I mean, glasses. Yeah, FF is the future foundation. It's all the kids, and then Fantastic Four is the core team. And the thing is, is that basically the reason why they're doing it is because the next story is a ten-part story. So as opposed to doing it in ten months in Fantastic Four, they're doing right. it in five months into you know it's Marvel double shipping basically, but it's with code double shipping. Code double shipping, yeah. But right. I, hey, I don't double ship away. Like I, I, as much as I you know say what you will about the double shipping and all that stuff like that, when it's this good, I'll take it. If it continues yeah. to be oh, as good no, as it is, oh no, more yeah. Jonathan Hickman stories. Yeah, no. help me. So. Um, you know, on a on a tangent, this is the first time ever. Uh, Fantastic Four 600 was the first time ever. Marvel has sent me uh, a spam email telling me I could download it if yeah. I wanted to. Interesting. That was that has never happened before. Don't tell Mark Miller. I would I would expect that, <laughs> right. I would I would expect more of that as 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 people start yeah. to realize that Marvel's commitment to digital is mainly to get your email address. And DC's right. been doing that as well. I mean, well, welcome to yes. email marketing, people. So. Right. Yeah. Get off that list yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, another explosion of, uh, of artists uh, took place over in the unwritten, and I, I hate saying this, uh, the unwritten 31.5. Oh, they're doing it too? I'm very, as, long as, they, as long as it doesn't cross over with Jack of Fables, we're square. De- de- decimal point numbering is the worst thing to ever happen to comics ever. Okay, that might be too yeah, much. You, you want to you, you go apologize to the Zero issue now, don't you? Yeah, a lot. A lot, I do. <laughs> because there was only one of those. Yeah. So the, the, the deal is they're going to be doing a, they're going to be double shipping, uh, a 10-issue uh, story arc uh, in the unwritten over the course of the, the next five months. Um, and that would normally upset me in a lot of comics just because it's dumb. I just like just, just number them or whatever, but I kind of have a hard time caring because the lineup in this um, book is uh, stellar. Uh, now, uh, Ron, I, you're not reading this. You're reading in trades. Yeah, correct. Uh, uh, Mike Carey and Peter Gross uh, are, the, are the main people in the book, the writer and the artist. Uh, then there's a story by uh, Michael W.M. Kaluta. Uh, nice. After that is a story by Rick Geary. Wow. Rick Geary? Yeah. Wow. Uh, a Gilded wait, Age. So, wait, so Kaluta, Geary, who else? Brian Talbot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And those are <laughs> yes, exactly not, those are exactly the creators I would expect to be on that book. It's true, and but they're they're. Mm-hmm. I mean, and these are these are sort of high end indie creators. They're probably a lot of mainstream readers may not know them, but uh, Geary includes uh, a name. I actually don't. I couldn't tell you what he's done, but I know his name. I recognize his work. Geary does, does those historical nonfiction, like he did that great yeah. book about the Lindbergh baby, and he's the, yeah. he's done dozens you know. of them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then Brian Talbot does uh, the, the Luther Arkwright. And uh, I mean, it's just it's great work all the way through. Very, very d- distinct from from it well, itself and each other. Mike Kalut uh, is one of those names that everybody should know. Um, <laughs> you know, like he's you know he's he's in his sixties. He's been around forever, but he was yeah. um, you know, and he did he did a lot of early Flash Gordon stuff, stuff like that. But he kind of came up in the in the seventies with the Barry Windsor Smith <laughs> and the Bernie Wrightsons, like that yeah. kind of you know. And he did he did all he I mean he. His resume at DC is like longer than you can imagine. Like he did a lot of stuff that I know you saw, but yeah. you, you know, but Kaluta is one of those guys. It's like, oh, it's Kaluta, you know. So yeah, and the, and the issue lived up. It was a great issue. He did. It was he did. A, a he, lot did of 
run. He did a very long run on House of Mystery in the, from 71 to 83. Like he, 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 House of Mystery was mainly Kaluta. So. Wow. So there you go. Little you. History. Cool. Uh, well, great, great, out. great issue. Yeah. I mean, just wonderful. Uh, telling the backstory of the whole thing. Just yeah. five stars, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, while I enjoyed Fantastic Four 600 and had to make my pick of the week, but fucking Jason Aaron, Wolverine the X Men <laughs> number two made me yelp three times as I read it. <laughs> Um, and what was great and what had me raving about it in the comic store and freaking out because I read it in the comic store because I couldn't wait. But it, it, if you're reading – Tell me you at least moved out of the way of the shelves before you did that. No, I was at the counter. But um, uh, okay. if, you, if you're reading Uncanny X-Force and you're reading Wolverine X-Men, you don't need to be reading the two. But reading the two makes the experience so much better because in the last issue of Uncanny X-Force, Wolverine is fighting uh, Age of Apocalypse Iceman. And his, he's narrating it and saying, I've been trying to get Bobby to live up to his potential. You know, this is what he could be doing. And the Age of Apocalypse Iceman was making, like, other Icemen out of ice and controlling them and stuff like that. So there was, like, a ton of them. And then in this issue, Wolverine X-Men starts with, like, a flashback to Iceman and Wolverine on the, the destroyed grounds of the Xavier Mansion talking about building the school. And Wolverine saying to Bobby, I need you to step up. I need you to be great. And... Sure enough, what happens in this issue, the, the mansion gets attacked, Bobby steps up and creates the little mini ice guys and makes an army of ice men, and everyone is just like, how is he doing that? He can do that? And like, told, like, and it just, and it echoed back to X-Force, but got delivered here, it was, I screamed, it was great, it was so good. Um, <laughs> and, and at the same time, he was actually doing the books. Yeah, Just, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had one of the ice guys um, like yes. Texas so, on uh, section four. So you had that great moment, and then during that moment, um, one uh, Bobby had one of the one of the Iceman automatons stop and kiss Kitty. So in a little bit of Daredevil esque romance, you know, not, not romance, but swashbuckling, you know, like she she yeah. was stunned about what was happening. And he just leans in, leans in for the kiss. That was fun. Um, but then, um, then the basically it's revealed that the school is built on top of Krakoa. Oops. Which another thing I called or, that was, that was somewhat yeah. obvious. And so so there's the great moment where Beast is like, I built the school on top of Krakoa. I'm never gonna live this down. Like it it was full on action, but still had the hint of it wasn't as much comedy as the first issue, but still had the hints of comedy. Um and it just mm-hmm. it, it was so much did fun. I, did I leave did I leave a pot of Frankensteins on the stove? Yeah, that was the other thing too. Mind. Yeah. There are <laughs> Frankenstein monsters. It was great. It was like it, this is so this is so much fun. It's so great. Um, you know, and then and, and then it looks like then it, it teases for the next issue that we've got uh, Quentin Quire is going to get into the uh, into the mix in the next issue, um, which is great. And then I read the letter column. The letter column is being written as Kitty responding to them. And so I'm like, I want to write a letter. I want Kitty to respond to me. <laughs> it's, you know what Jason Aaron looks like, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but um, so I think I just identified. The, I think I just identified the funnel, fundamental difference between me and Ron. <laughs> what? Ron read that and he was like, "I want to write to Kitty and have Kitty write to me." And I read it and I was like, "I want to not read Kitty answering a letter column." Skip page. Oh, so. I have no soul. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But th- 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 so, did you? You read it? Did you? Did you get the same kind of charge out of it that I did? Oh, I thought I thought it was great. I haven't thought that much about Bobby Drake in a long time, and yeah. he was one of my first favorite characters when I was a little kid. But you know, I, I'm standing. You know, it took me ten minutes to read that page because I was going, oh, I guess if his body's made out of ice, it could yeah. be shaped like ten other 
people, you yeah. know, because, <laughs> you know, can he control ice or can he just make, you know, no, but I'd like, and then, and then, you know, one of them uh, gets up to no good with Kitty. And I started thinking, boy, how much would I love to see this Iceman uh, go toe to toe with Madrox about six months from now? Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, just for the hell oh, of that's it. Cool. Just, you know, they could have a softball game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. I, I still think, uh, I, I, I like Chris uh, Bacalo, Bacalo's style. I don't quite know where what is the deal with his camera angles. He seems to be up characters' noses an awful lot of the time, but uh, I'm adapting yeah. to it. Yeah, no, this is uh, so. this is some of his most solid layouts, if you ask me. I mean, like you, you know, yeah, he, he, go, he goes diagonal, but like there have been there have been previous issues, like when he was on Spider Man stuff like that, where you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, with the, with Spider Man, that Spider Man lizard arc, I had to yeah. like hold the book away from my face to figure out what I was looking at, yeah. and I did not. I haven't had that problem with 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 this at all it's yeah. been it's been great it's yeah. just the kind of thing that i like cool excellent so. uh if you are an iron man fan good news someone read it <laughs> i thought that since i was coming on i might as well say something nice about a fra- mad fraction book on ifanboy just for the novelty wow uh but <laughs> but uh is that, is that was, okay let me act- check the charter right but yeah i mean uh, josh you and i did a book explode about the first whatever omnibus uh 100 years ago. 19 issues yes and and the things that that we liked about it then are 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 back in full force now if Uh, i'm not mistaken uh it's been 491 issues since then Uh, if i have that math correct correct. Uh, invisible ironman 510 uh, Right, and uh, well, you got to you got to take into account four ninety nine point three, four ninety nine point four. I don't. Uh, so, I won't. No. I'm not but, going to. All right, all right. Talk about uh, the, talk about the book. Because, uh, <laughs> during during the during the fear itself, uh, tie-ins. Uh, Tony fell off the wagon in uh, Svartalheim or Jotunheim or whatever Heim he was in, uh, and so. He's been sober for about three days now. He brought a, a dwarf from from Odin's forges back with him because the dwarf uh, is is an alcoholic, wants to go into recovery, and, uh, and there's no there's no facility there's no facility for a twelve step program in in Schwartelheim. Uh, so uh, so so Tony Tony brings him back and uh, and puts him to work at his car company and uh, brings him to an AA meeting in like a baseball cap and a T-shirt and he. He talks in a dwarvish way to the AA meeting about about why he wants to stop being an alcoholic. And then uh, there are some mishaps. The Mandarin and Ezekiel Stark uh, set Tony up to have a, a terrible accident. And then they take a picture of him and put it in the paper and start spreading rumors that he's back off the wagon in an attempt to ruin him. Uh, I've never known the Mandarin to, to kind of use TMZ as a weapon before. But, uh, you know, times. Matt Fraction is thinking outside the box. Uh I am very tired of seeing uh, Josh Holloway with wax lips play Tony Stark in this book, but I have surrendered the idea that that is ever going to stop happening. That's uh, that's permanent. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll make my peace with it. But but you know, it kind of it has a couple of things to to deal with to get fear itself behind it. But largely, as as you talked about the other week, it's like that already kind of never happened, and uh, moving on. So uh, yeah, I think I don't I don't think it. Uh, there's any there's any barrier to entry here uh and if you kind of i, I always like matt fraction's x-men i've always kind of liked his iron man so you know if, if fear itself tainted your experience you might as well shake it off and maybe give him one more shot hey, there you go, there you go. there's a dissenting opinion what else could you possibly have to say about the flash i just want to remind everybody that francis manipal should draw, draw all the comics in the world <laughs> <laughs> holy For those shit <laughs> it's it's ridiculous that that first page 
Like that's the, the, the like I love I love the mixing of text in art and all that sort of stuff. And then oh, the opening page, the opening title pages on this book have just been have been enough for my like. There's my t- three dollars. There you go. Like I just this one how, page is getting it across. <laughs> how's the writing? The writing is good. I'm I, I'm enjoying the writing. The story's great. Um, yeah. Because you know, speaking of comic book comics, they talk a little bit in this issue about the image revolution. Yep. And when I think of the image era, I think of artists thinking they didn't like Eric Larson wrote anonymously a very famous letter years ago about about during the image era about how uh, artists didn't need writers but I also think of a lot of those books from that era as being kind of terribly written right so uh, when I heard that that DC was handing the reins over to a lot of artists I got a kind of my image sense started to tingle and I got kind of my, my shields went up that woman has been and I, yeah, I think, like I think Bad Woman seen, has been great. I, yeah, and I think we've seen you know we've seen the, the the negative part of that with you know folks like Tony Daniel and and David Finch and th- you know things like that. But ultimately, if you if you go and talk about comics history, I mean, Will Eisner wrote and drew everything he yeah. did. You know, I mean, like the, like there's a long yeah. you know you got Kirby, we're, we're gonna talk about Ra- we're gonna talk about Rassel in a little bit. Jeff mm-hmm. Smith written and drawn every you know like so Terry Moore pe- people can yeah Terry Bendis, Moore, pe- then Bendis started out as an artist yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um, in this particular case um, and and if uh, if you go back and watch my interview with Francis Manipal and, and New York Comic Con we talked about this a little um, it's it's allowing him and Brian Bucoletto as colors to tell they're controlling the story like they they know what they want to do and he's using the visual um the visual storytelling as mm-hmm. much as the words themselves to get the get the story across and it's working it's totally working. and can and can draw what exci- what is exciting to him yeah. and that comes through obviously I, I i think we're seeing that you can't that artists have a hard time doing stuff like that when they have scripts handed to them yeah and they only get this mm-hmm. kind of freedom when they are in control of the whole thing. So as long as the artists are capable writers, and those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then, yeah. then some really cool stuff can happen. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, so Flash, I just love it. Every, every week, it's, it's, it's making my dream come true. So. Cool. Um, so we're going to take a quick moment out and, uh, and tell everybody about Graphically. iFanboy is a part of Graphically. Graphically is our parent company and keeps the lights on at iFanboy headquarters. And, and in doing that, uh, by selling some digital comics, we were talking about piracy earlier. You can fight, you can combat piracy by being legit and buying your comics digitally on graphically.com. Um, tons of publishers there Marvel Comics, Image Comics, recently launched Top Shelf Productions, uh, Top Cow, Archaea, Boom, IDW, they're all there. Um, and waiting for you to download and your to your heart's content. Um, uh, you can go read comics. You can buy the comics and read them on the web at graphically.com, or you can go use any of the app, uh, applications for the iPhone, the iPad, Android tablets, Android phones. If you have a Nook Color, there's a bunch of um, – or Nook or the recently new Nook tablet. I got to play with one of those last week. Um, a bunch of graphic novels on there like The Walking Dead and um, Owly. Owly has been a big hit from Top Shelf on the Nook. Um, so definitely Damn, check that cute. out. It's cute. Um, it's so cute. <laughs> and also there's a bunch of graphic novels available for the new Amazon Kindle Fire so you can go check those out there so basically wherever you can read digital comics Graphly is going to be there so uh, we want to thank them for their continuing support of iFanboy and go to graphly.com check it all out and follow them at twitter twitter.com slash graphically before we even mention what's on the inside I just want to say that Tony Harris is doing some hellaciously excellent covers on the shade yes uh, yep. I love the style he's mm-hmm. using for these yep. right now. He's gone more illustrative and away from the photo stuff, which is how he's going to be working for a while. Yep. And that's great. That's just the outside. That's just the outside. The inside, the inside, I'm loving it. I, 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 this, I, totally. And I know we talked about whether Colleen Hamner's the right artist or not or whatever, but mm-hmm. I read this issue and this was just great. And I'm telling everybody, like, 
pick up the shade because you know because there is a chance that it might not it might not get collected in trade. There's a chance it might not finish. Um, you never know in, the, in this in, in this market and this in these is, in these tough economic times. Exactly, and this is the kind of book that yeah. I want to read all twelve issues of because I love what James. They, they, we talk about James Robinson a lot, and when he loves what he's writing, it comes across, and he loves the shade. So um, it comes across really well in this issue. So enjoyed it. I a like lot. how they're not they're not pulling any punches with the top hat. Yeah, no, full not on top all. hat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Stovepipe so. that mf'er. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I mentioned hmm. last issue of Incorruptible, uh, which would have been twenty three. Incorruptible twenty four just came out. Sort of the sister series to uh, Irredeemable. Yep. And this is taking the next step. This has been so good for the last two issues. It has. It's uh, been great. It has. Yeah. Fascinating sort of changes, and I don't know what. We, like before we got Max's whole motivation, I don't know what's going on right now and I want to know so badly yep. and I don't. And there's all these interesting forces playing at one another. He started up this prison and he's got he's got uh, the Plutonian's number. And man, if you are reading uh, Irredeemable but not this, uh, you need to go pick up number 23 yeah. and then 24 and, and go forward because it's, it's – you know, we're talking about what Mark Wade does. Uh, in in Daredevil, and this is the same guy. Is that um when when the general's explaining the Manhattan Project two thing to him? Is that is that a Grant Morrison uh, cameo? Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, I think it is. I'll have to look. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. But, but the okay. uh, and and then it's 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 so strange to me because they're the irredeemable and incorruptible both take place in the same universe, but they seem to have such different tones. Yeah. Like As you know, irredeemable irredeemable number one was not afraid to barbecue a baby. For example, but I can't imagine seeing anything like that in this book. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I guess it's two sides of the same coin because, you know, Irredeemable is the superhero gone very, very dark, and this is the supervillain kind of trying to redeem himself, and, and it, it affects the, the way the whole story is told. To and next month, apparently, we get. We get to see his origin, apparently. So uh, that'll be something to look out for as well. Yeah. On the on the opposite side of uh, expecting one thing and another, uh, I Vampire Three coming out now. Now, Jim, you wanted to talk about this. Are you? You're uh, still yeah. With well, it? I yeah, I've read all all three issues so far. I did, it benefited from me not knowing anything about it, so there was no nowhere for the chip to go on my shoulder. And uh, uh, it it it's been yeah, I think it's been very interesting. It's it's telling the kind of story I've seen before but making me care about it and kind of combining the elements in a way I find interesting. And now we've moved, like, issue number three moves beyond the, telling the the stories of the two, you know, the protagonist and the antagonist, and now we have this kind of side character and the sporting cast is starting to build itself up. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 every month it, it makes me want to know where it's going to go, even though uh, the art has taken a little bit of getting used to. It's good. It's a patient, it's a patient read. Like yeah. you, you know, it's yeah. the third issue. We're just sort of getting to know everybody. There, there's definitely been a theme to how these things have been, been going on in the DC universe. Like they've told people, take your time, tell those stories, you know, the right way. Don't try to stick everything in the beginning. And uh, I've also been, I've been enjoying it all the way through. I think it's been fun. A sort of very different thing cool. out of the out of the reboot. Cool. Uh, so, uh, new issue of Rassel came out from Jeff Smith, issue number twelve, and I know it's going at a snail's pace. I think one issue a quarter, maybe if that. Um, but I don't care because it's fantastic. And this issue, uh, the majority of it is talk is is more about uh, Nikolai Tesla, which is <laughs> comic book bait for some reason, but it's fantastic. Um, so I just love it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I I stopped reading this in issues because it was so slow, but I cannot wait. Yeah. No, to re- yeah. I'm going to read it all in one bit yeah. because yeah. I've just people are very excited about it. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, Michael Lark. Secret <laughs> Avengers, Secret, Secret <laughs> Avengers number number nineteen. It start the art started off a little shaky, 
Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is the Michael Long. <laughs> um, what I think is interesting, Secret Avengers continues to be one of the, the best books that people should be reading because Ellis is just killing it on this, and uh, mm-hmm. along with the, the cavalcade of artists. But this is another case where having multiple artists kind of works against you because we got introduced to the, the Nito Secret Avengers flechette guns in McKelvey's issue. And in this issue, they're, they pull them back out, and they're just normal guns. <laughs> like they were just like like, like, like they, it makes a point where Steve Rogers is like I'm approving use of the the flechette guns and Moon Knight pulls his out and it's just a nine millimeter it's just like, it's just, <laughs> like you know Michael Lark's like flechette what the hell is that I'm just drawing a gun right. like, <laughs> <laughs> he searched on Google for like five minutes right f that yeah. <laughs> but I love Moon, if, I love Moon Knight in in uh, in a suit in like a in like a dress suit, suit with with just yeah, a white suit with the white Moon Knight mask and his spiked gloves and like oh that's great so yeah if I didn't know what was coming I would be really sad to see Warnell's go yeah but we know we know we're gonna get something great so yeah I've I've said a lot of things about good art in books this week by the way I I don't know if we've said this overall great book a week of books yeah. I mean yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't say anything week, before yeah. below a four. So good, uh, but no one beat Chris Somney in Captain America and Bucky number six twenty four. He's great. The art, I, I mm. mean, I, the story was fine. It was fun. I enjoyed it, no problem. But every page was just wonderful. He did action. He did sexy. He did you know great acting and cartooning. You know all at the same time. You know men yelling at each other in a room. It's just all. I mean, this is it's such a wonderful looking book, mm-hmm. and this this is it. It's over now. Because uh, Franco Villa, which is you know Francisco Franco Villa, fine artist coming on the next one. He's great too. But, yeah, uh, no, and yeah. but we'll get more Somni on Ultimate Spider Man, so it's not like he's yeah. going away. Yeah. So yeah, I know. But th- these are I love these characters, so yeah. I was happy to see. I'm so excited. Still a tragedy. I'm so excited to stop seeing Nazis. I can't even put it into words. <laughs> so many Nazis. Um, well, there there are no Nazis in Invincible number eighty five, uh, but it did mark the return of Corey Walker, the original Invincible artist, um, who was r- really solid, really good. Uh, this is really, a, and he's yeah. improved. Yeah, and I mean, this, obviously uh, it's been years. Yeah, so this this kind of moves away from Invincible and checks in on um, Nolan and and Oliver and and Space and Alan and all that sort of stuff, and just the uh, the continuing saga of Invincible continues, and it's just I I love the conflict between Alan and Nolan. Yes. That was great stuff. Yeah, good mm-hmm. really good. Um, and finally, the book I actually laughed at the most this week was All Star Western, yeah. uh, number three, which was just chock full of great tough guy Jonah Hex one liners and this uh, amazing Moritat art, which I keep picturing now on eight on half of a sheet of eight and a half by eleven pages. Yeah, because he draws so small. <laughs> yeah, draws so tiny. Um, uh, <laughs> I love Moritat's art. Um, I, this is my last issue. I'm done. I just, I'm oh. just, I'm just not, I just not interested. I can't get into it. So. Oh, see, I, I just, it was like one liner after one liner. Oddly enough, the backup story with, uh, with Jordy Brene and I, I really love Jordy Brene. Oh, the, the story I find kind of boring though. Just because it's the same thing over and over, and that's that's um, how I felt about the hex story. It's like I don't I don't care what's going on. It's like it's, oh, uh, it, yeah. I and I totally get that. Yeah. It is the same thing over and over again. It just tickles me for some reason. I can't yeah, explain. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it though. Great cool. stuff. Good. So those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed. Um, you go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see the full list of comics that come out every week. And then you can go and make your pull list and do your reviews and come back and pick your pick of the weeks. And uh, I, well, I just stuck that in there. Comics for Comics number six got 4% at, wow. at number six. So awesome. I just wanted that. That's pretty cool. Uh, Flash number three. Uh, that's not. It's that's not the right number at all. Uh, <laughs> it says sixty-two percent. That's not it. It's I can somewhere tell you what it is. Hang on a second. It yeah. is flash number three. Got um, oh god, I don't even know what it is. Keep going. 
Okay, uh, Invincible number eighty-five at four point four percent. Lock and key keys to the kings. Keys to the known key, guide to the known keys seven point eight percent. That's like a, a secret origins for lock and key, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, made it so high too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wolverine and the X Men number two with fourteen point two percent. Fantastic Four number six hundred with forty-two point four percent. That was the the big the big uh, plurality winner of the week. And Fla- um, Flash had uh, Flash had uh, as of the time of recording. Uh, these numbers are all wrong now, Josh. Um, oh yeah, it's fr- yeah. yeah fla- so fla- four hundred and three percent. Number five was Flash. Number three with six point one percent. Number four was Invincible with six point six percent. Number three was Lock and Key seven point one percent. Wolverine the X Men fourteen point five, and then Fantastic Four with forty three point four. Holiday weekend, people are waking up. Yeah, exactly. Plugging exactly. in the numbers. So, uh, these will change by the time you read them on Monday. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on and do a couple more user reviews. Kingdom of Heaven read Aquaman number three, gave the story a three out of five, and the already five out of five. Pick of the week percentages around 1.1%. And Ivan Reese, ladies and gentlemen, goddamn. This issue is worth it if only for the bloody, vicious fight scene at the beginning. Hardly any dialogue aside from some snappy one-liners. Just mare people fighting fish people. <laughs> That's great. That's all she said on the cover. Uh, the story might feel a little slight in this issue, but at least we're getting some more exposition on Aquaman's backstory and the man in the picture we saw last issue. I'm sure there's an explanation coming for why Dr. Shin has a massive scar in his shoulder, conveniently matching the one on Aquaman's shoulder. Symbolism? But that's no doubt a story for another time. Yeah, Aquaman continues to be teetering on the edge of dropping for me, but th- with this issue and, the, and Dr. Shin and the stuff and like the the behind the scenes stuff, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see what, I'll see where this is going. So, are they still yucking it up about what a lame guy he no. is? No, not, that's not good. really. Mm-hmm. Every now and then it comes up. It came up like once or twice here. They were just like they're, they're like he lives in a lighthouse. Who lives in a lighthouse? It was like uh, it was, you know, it's got to be yeah. hard not to. I'm, yeah, you think all I've the only jokes he doesn't put. Right. I've only got so much patience for that sort of thing yeah, exactly. before we enter, you know, Deadpool territory or something. Yuckstersome. All right. So next review comes from Metamorphic, who reviewed Alpha Flight number six, gave the story a two out of five and the art a one out of five. And point, 0.1% of you made your pick of the week this week. And Metamorphic said, my reading may lean towards the DCU these days, but as both a Canadian and a comic fan, Alpha Flight holds a special place in my heart. Of course, that makes for a lot of heartbreak. The mini turned ongoing, turned mini again is another heartbreaker. Sure, the gang's all here and there are some moments of cool, but moments do not a, a great comic make. The plot is pretty cliched, which surprised me because I enjoyed Van Lente and Pox writing in the past. Mind-controlling entity takes over populace. Team on the run, obligatory fight scene, run again, repeat. It's not that it's been done before, it's been done better. Which, while I don't disagree with Metamorphic here, I think making, uh, grading Dale Eaglesham as a 1 out of 5 is, is a crime. Because, say what you will about the story, it's pretty. And, uh, you know, I would, I would definitely give it more credit on the art side, because Eaglesham is fantastic. I could see that Eaglesham is a person who some people would really like and some not. Yeah. To me, he seems like he's pretty perfect for that book. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So, who knows? Go. So, go to ifanboy.com slash comics where you can do all your rates and your reviews and uh, all the ratings and fun stuff and pick of the polls and pick of the weeks. And I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a little uh, turkey. Yeah. Uh, hungover. Yeah. yeah. So, that's fine. On to the email. Our first email comes from Paul. Who says, it being Christmas time, I'm trying to find the perfect comic present to give to my younger sister. She's 21 years old and her favorite two characters are Black Widow and Batgirl, Stephanie Brown. She has the, the recent Paul Cornell Black Widow trade and, and the collected Stephanie Graham Batgirl trades as they come out. But I want to find something new for her to try since both these characters have rather limited material made for them. She really likes Stephanie because of how real world it felt for her. She likes that she could very much relate to her as a college student and like that it would be street level, non-epic, non-end of the world kind of character. I think she just likes Black Widow because she kicks ass. If it helps, she loves English history and is majoring in history slash history of science with the intent to be a librarian someday. 
Wow, they're getting a lot of detail in a sister. Also, she doesn't want to <laughs> check out the new Batgirl series because she feels a little bitter toward Barbara Gordon taking back the mantle. Plus, there's no trade-out for it at this point. What female characters would you recommend I look into her getting for some books for Christmas? I feel like there's got to be a lot out there, but I just cannot think of any right now. You know what that is? What? That's every time somebody asks you for a recommendation, you know, what should I get my brother? You always are like, well, we don't know your brother. Right. And yes. you now know this woman as well as he does. Yeah, I know her yeah. Yeah, more than, careful what more you than wish I want for. to, in fact. <laughs> I'd say uh, Ed Brubaker's Catwoman, which has only recently started getting recollected by DC. Yes, uh, fits this bill. That's a good. That's a very good call with, with the with the awesome Darwin art, right? Mm-hmm. Part of it. If you like um, Paul Cornell's Black Widow trade, uh, maybe check out um, Captain Britain and MI thirteen trades that exist. There are several cool female characters and just good characters all throughout that um it's just a nice piece all around so if, if that was a person who's writing she liked uh those are things that are sort of uh good for all genders i would um, say you know i would yeah. if you want to if you don't mind going back into the vaults um on the marvel side of things i would check out uh the, the ms marvel ongoing that was going on around civil war um that was one of those like under the radar everybody said really good things about it um, strong character. Um, I really, yeah, I really yeah. liked Brian Reed's Miss Marvel. The only yeah. thing I would say is to get the trades from before Civil War. Yes, yes, agreed. Yeah, uh, because I think that that the characterization uh, whiplash that was required to turn Miss Marvel into a jackbooted thug overnight did yeah. that book no favors because yeah. uh, she she picked the wrong side. Yeah, exactly. And um, also mm-hmm. going way way back, I would say anytime She Hulk had a, had a, her own series was always entertaining. Um, yeah. Whether it was John Byrne or Dan Slott or whoever did it, it was always fun reading. So, yeah. cool. Good answers, people. Next email, Josh. Andrew says, the wave of cancellation news recently at Marvel seems to have everybody riled up online. You ain't kidding. Suddenly, <laughs> I'm seeing lots of folks espousing a belief, espousing belief that pre-ordering is the only way to save the books you love, end quote. It seems to me that with DC's new 52 being day and date and Marvel moving to bring their line day and date by March, the pre-ordering should be of less importance now than ever. It only seems valuable for the diamond numbers, which for the first time in a long time is not the only distribution method for comics. I've heard you talk about your individual opinions on pre-ordering the, the show a few times. So I'm not asking after that, but rather, how, do you think that pre-ordering is a viable way to, quote, save a book now? Yeah. I should mention that I read all my weeklies digital now. Okay, here's, here's the deal. You might think that uh, buying digital is going to help keep a book from a cancellation. We're not there yet. Um, that's good yeah through through our work at graphically and through and we you know it can't we can't talk in specifics and stuff like that but while many of you are reading digitally and, and it's it's exceeded dc's expectations and blah, blah blah it's not it's not changing the tide yet and the problem is is that there are no in order to run any business not just comics but any business you need to be able to forecast a certain degree to make sure it's worth spending your money and the only way the comic industry is forecasting whether a book is worth printing is by pre-ordering through diamond the the, the, the issues so if you want a book to survive like so for example i mean just case in point I we get comp copies from a lot of the publishers i get a box every once every week from image comics of everything they put out I'm still pre-ordering Mudman because I want it to be around, you know, and I'm buying it myself to mm-hmm. support the book, you know, even though I do get it free, but I am pre-ordering it. Well, the and, the, the whole the sales are, are basing what they're going to do on pre-orders. Right. I mean, that's, that's the simple, the, the, well, that's, that's, that's how books get canceled before they come out. Yeah, right. exactly. Because like you hear it's canceled as of number two, because number one, not enough people pre-ordered it. It, right. it feels to me now like they're soliciting things, waiting to see what those pre-order numbers are, then deciding to go ahead with the book. That's yeah. never happened before. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is really important, especially for 
the smaller indie and even mid-list books now. Yep. I mean, as we've seen at Marvel, as I, we're going to see, not now, but we will start seeing it at DC, you know, in, in four or five months down the road, I think. Yeah. Um, and, so and definitely. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. If you want a book to stick around, if you're enjoying a book, you got to, you got, unfortunately, whether you're reading them digitally or not, I mean, it's it's tough, and it's a tough position as you being an early adopter. You are an early adopter, but they don't know that you're enjoying a book until the day you buy it after it comes out, so they can't plan against that yet. So there's not mm-hmm. enough trend data. There's not enough people doing it. It hasn't it hasn't reached critical mass where it's actually a viable um, a viable portion of their of their sales. Um, it's just mm-hmm. not. That's just we're we're way early in the digital game. So now the question is, can a rally online of people to pre-order something even build up enough number to get there? I don't know. That's the question. Yeah, because I I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I think for the most part, the people who are vocal and online and doing those things are still a minority. Yep, and it, it basically it falls into comic shops' hands, and and you know, beca- and it's unfair. It, I it's it's totally unfair that that the consumer has to be so proactive. But that's how small this industry is. Yep. It's a ridiculous system. It's a broken system. I grip my teeth every time I do it, but I know what I, I live on planet reality. At least to a certain extent, you know, I read books about people with laser eyes, but generally speaking, I, you know, try to be realistic. But uh, I I do wonder if we're going to get to a point where it's like uh, the DVR became where there are TV shows that are low rated, but every but they're, you know, the number one most recorded show, you know, like if if there'll be a book for like Alpha Flight, nobody was buying it, but it was the number one most downloaded book. Would that make a difference? I think you're to gonna Marvel see or anybody not else. Yet. Not yet. You're going to see something ridiculous. No, not not yet. But yeah. you're going to see digital pre ordering. Yeah, that's well, what no, I think has well, that's to the thing. If, if they can set up, oh, if they can set up, if they, no, they can set up. Well, digital pre-ordering is subscriptions. If people are exactly. if people are stepping up and mm-hmm. saying, "I want to subscribe to this book and give it to me every month," then that is the the is what Kick, what would be digital pre-ordering. We're not there Kickstarter. Yet. Kickstarter yeah. is digital pre-ordering. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really. I mean, that's that's what it is. They're saying <laughs> yeah. we want to do this book. Are you going to support us to do it? And people yeah. say yes, so we'll do the book. Yeah. That's although, although ass- assuming that the book ever comes out. Right. Well, there's no. Yeah. Listen, they'd rather pay for a book ahead of time than pay for the digital book that's out after. I don't know why that is, but they do. Anyway. So, all right. So, if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We're going to get one quick voicemail in um, about favorites. Hi. This is John from Pittsburgh. I was wondering uh, what you guys' favorite era is of your favorite characters like uh i would guess ron's would be the uh, i guess the dark phoenix saga of x-men what like connor's favorite era of batman was and like whatever josh's thing is i don't know the things so uh yeah goodbye you were wrong sir Yes, he was. You are wrong. <laughs> um, Jim, what's your favorite era of your favorite characters? Let's start with you. Uh, my, my, my favorite is uh, my favorite Spider-Man era is when he's dropped out of grad school and he's wearing the black costume that isn't an alien and he's coming in and out of the skylight from his, you know, walk up studio apartment. Is Basically, the era I started reading. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing is that like you're, you're gonna find yeah. you're gonna find a lot of these errors. I think when we started reading the characters, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I, I I know Connor pretty well, and I feel pretty confident saying that his favorite era of Batman was when he was the French guy. In that suit. <laughs> that's oh, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Josh, what's your favorite era of your favorite characters? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, if I had to say Hawkeye, who had historically been my favorite character, it would have been 
West Coast Avengers or Thunderbolts. Yeah. I really like those two eras. Uh, and then if I were going to say Captain America, I would I would break ranks and I would say that the first twenty five issues of uh, of Ed Brubaker's Captain America was my favorite. That. Um, for me, in terms of the X Men, while the the Jim Lee era holds a, a strong place in my heart, I probably have to say my favorite era of favorite characterization, favorite stuff going on was the Claremont Paul Smith era. Um, the after yeah. after Dark Phoenix, the uh, the uh, from the ashes era. Um, mm-hmm. That was just when Kitty was you know firmly on the team. Rogue, you know, we got our first taste of Rogue, and it was you know the mm-hmm. beginnings of what would go on to be like the insanity that was the X Men in the in the two hundreds issues. So um, that that's my favorite X Men. And when I yeah when I think of the classic X Men team, I think of a team that most people wouldn't even believe was the X Men if I listed them. Which is like you know Dazzler, Longshot, oh. Psylocke. No, yeah, yeah, I love the, that. The era. reject team, like, which was again the year that I like started reading that book. Yeah, no, the, so, the, that's the yeah. Australia years. That's the that's the um, yes, you know, Havoc, uh, Havoc, Psylocke, Dazzler, Storm, Wolverine, mm-hmm. Colossus. Yeah, like the when yeah that the, the, that era was fantastic. I love that era. So yeah. Oh, the X-Men. I could go on for hours. Anyway, um, so give us a call at 188-FANBOYS. It's 188-326-2697. Um, don't forget to go subscribe to the iFanboy. Don't miss. We took a break for the holiday, so we'll be back uh, next week with uh, talking to a creator. We t- we, if you do want to go back into the feed and listen to me talk to Jonathan Hickman about Fantastic Four 600, you hear a lot more about what went into that issue, what the thinking was, what the planning was. It was really fascinating. It's always fun to hear Hickman talk about that book. So. Very cool. I want to take a brief moment, and I can't believe I'm doing this, but I have to plug my book. Uh, sure. <laughs> check out Astrofan, <laughs> uh, my novel available on the Kindle in the Nook. I wrote about it on the site. There's a little excerpt there. Three dollars. It's a, if you like my writing on the on the site, you like me on the show. That's uh, check it out. I hope it's a lot of fun for people. I like. I can it. vouch I for it. it. It yeah. is a lot of fun. I, I read it. You. No, um, you can I, have no taste, I, I have no taste to speak of, but I like it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you can check out ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review that I wrote and the book of the month review that I wrote and some other stuff I wrote. And then you guys have written things also, I think. Yep. I'm not sure. Uh, all sorts yes. of comment for discussion, all the things that are coming up that are worth talking about uh, and, and, and even more. Uh, are on the site every single day. Uh, go to ifanboy.com slash about. You can see who we are, learn a little bit about us and how to hook up with us and other places on the internet and social networks. You can follow us at twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy or both. That's fine. Uh, we also do a video show in addition to this podcast. And last week we talked about comic book art and artists, a very broad topic that we managed to cover in 20, 21 minutes. I don't think there's anything left apparently to say. A lot of, apparently a lot of people liked it. I was, <laughs> I was surprised considering it was so meandering. But <laughs> It wasn't. It was, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty good, okay. although Connor kept trying to pigeonhole me. You don't like that. <laughs> uh, next week, well, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, and like mentioned earlier, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys It's one 888 And if you like what you listen to, if you like what you read at iFanboy, if you like everything we do, uh, make sure you tell your friends about it. Uh, go write a review on iTunes. Spread the word. Help us uh, help us help you uh, to give you more comic book funness. Follow Friday us on Twitter. Do whatever it takes. Spread the word about iFanboy. We really appreciate it. Uh Ski, reviews on my book? No. Yeah. Jimski, good to have That's you right. back on the show. It was good to be back. Yeah. I hope I didn't alienate the rest of the listeners. No, I don't think you pissed anybody off. I, think I don't see how you could have today. Yeah. We were, we were, mm. we're all on our best behavior. Yeah, because turkey, turkey will do that. Yeah. Did everybody yeah. have a good holiday as well? Yeah. Fantastic. Good. I was ready for it to be over at about four thirty, but uh, that's just because my kids are exhausting. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, they we are. Hope, they're we, exhausting. We hope everybody in the iFan base had a great Thanksgiving uh, in the U.S. Had a great Thanksgiving uh, weekend, and all of our friends internationally just had a good Thursday. 
So I know right. I know some people in Ireland who had Thanksgiving oh, yeah. in the comic book industry. Cool. They they went and did it. Hmm. They didn't know why, but they were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was going on with the uh, the drunken pinball? <laughs> it was good times. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. so. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. So until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Josh. I'm Jim. There you go. That's it. And outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you.